All right. Hello, and welcome to episode 255 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is June 14th, 2021. I am Rollo McFlugel, and with me is my co-host, Slappy Jones. Show notes page for this episode will be mcflugel.com slash 255. I had the dramatic pause there because today is a certain day, and I was going to say, I was going to do a little play on words say oh happy day slappy but i was like "Mm." i don't know what day it is it's uh it's flag day oh how about it i was gonna i was gonna drop one i was gonna drop one of the letters you're gonna call it flag day yeah lag lag day day. yeah Yeah. happy lag day everyone yeah i decided against it the last second because i didn't want to offend you um so I just remembered that in our last episode, we were talking about Childerberg and the Childerberg fruitcake that we had the contest for. I posted the picture on Twitter and had everyone guess the weight. And the person that got closest to the actual weight of the fruitcake is the winner. Um, also, we found out that it was uh, Schlitz beer on Twitter was the winner of the overall raffle. So he got the free Ross quilt. He nice. got the road toad and he also won the fruitcake and he just, uh, uh, put out a tweet showing a picture of the fruitcake and he, he tasted it and he said it was delicious. Of course, I'm not surprised, but, uh, so he that, gets, was, he gets that this. was, that was part of the conditions of winning when you signed. Yes. Yeah. You had to say it was really really good. I I drafted the exact tweet for that person to write. Um, When you put in your raffle ticket, when you sign for your raffle ticket, you're signing, you're agreeing. Speaking of winning raffles, I won one of the raffles down there too. I forgot to mention this. Uh, I won one of the Agora Brewing's bottles of mead. Ah, how, how was it? I did not. Well, his mead is excellent, and I had a lot of it down there. I never, never had, had me. I think he's the only mead I've ever had. And but it's it's. I mean, he crafts it, and he comes up with flavors and 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 he wants what he wants to do with it, and he absolutely nails it. So I got one of the um, the spicy bottles. I think it's a jalapeno. Hmm. Interesting. And. Um, Sorry, I'm getting texts from... I should put my phone away. I'm getting weird texts from my mother. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just got that and he shipped it to me. And I also bought a um, a jar Why of his barbecue sauce. down the stairs to you? Well, because my mom doesn't live with me. I'm a big... <laughs> You're not in the basement? No. When did you move out? Well, like five and a half years ago, Slappy. All right, all right. Um, you also but, uh, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, I bought a jar of his uh, his barbecue sauce they made. I sampled it down there; it was really good. And he was selling jars, so uh, I didn't want to take. You know, the 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 barbecue sauce was in a glass jar. The mead is in a glass bottle. Did I didn't want to. Yes. Nice. Um, I didn't want to take them on my in my luggage because I didn't mm-hmm. want to 
break them because I didn't have, I, I wasn't confident that I was, I was, I was going to be able to secure them all. So he shipped them to me and, um, I used the lightning network to pay for the ship shipping and for the bottle of the, or the jar of, of barbecue sauce. So that wasn't very secure. That was terrible. How slow was it? Oh, it took ages. Mm. It took absolute ages. Mm-hmm. So, uh, getting back to this, uh, the contest for guessing the way to the fruitcake, we had a bunch of people respond with guesses. What was your guess, Slappy? You'll have to play the tape. I don't remember. I was like two pounds and... Two and change. I think I said, did I say like 33 ounces or something like that? Well, whatever it was, it was, it was incredible. It was incredibly off. So it doesn't even matter. Okay. So I'm in, I have a conundrum though, because if you remember, um, I said that you had to guess the weight in, uh, it had to be in, uh, within one eighth of an ounce. And I'm pretty sure I said it had to be pounds and ounces think i said no si i don't really remember i barely pay attention to most of what i say same and i was going through when one person came within a half ounce i was like and another person came within an ounce and a half that was but uh i was like oh this is the winner and i was scrolling through again and someone made their guess in kilograms and i said "Mm, they actually might be kind of close and so I converted kilograms to pounds and they are, they are within 0.048 ounces of the correct weight. Okay. So what do we do? Because uh, I'm, I believe I, you said the rules were pounds and ounces. But the person that got closer with the kilograms has a lot more Twitter followers. And so it would be much better. Oh, 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 I see. So if we get a retweet or something. Yeah. We'll talk about it. Oh, well then that's obviously he's the clear winner. Right. (laughs) I don't know. I don't, why don't we send them both a sticker? That's, that's what I'm going to do. That's, (laughs) that's what I figure we would do. Yeah. We get Um, one for actually paying attention to following the rules and another one for, for guessing the exact weight essentially. What was the weight? So the weight was uh, four pounds, six and a half ounces. Wow. And Anarchity at Jordarchist guessed four pounds, seven ounces. And um, K4RO, uh, oh, Karazagoras. Uh, at BTC Dragon Lord said two kilograms. Hmm. And that is two kilograms comes to uh, two pounds, or I mean, I'm sorry, four pounds uh, and 6.548 ounces. So you could actually round that down to the exact weight to the nearest eighth of an ounce, and it would be. It, it, he would have gotten exact. Hmm. So um, what we could do is we could just say, all right, DM us to claim your sticker 
and see if uh, any of these people don't actually listen to the show. So if you don't listen to the show, no sticker for you. Um, although I'll probably just DM them or just announce it on Twitter because we we get the pomp and circumstance out there. Yeah. Or maybe I'll make a poll and uh, say who should it go to. The person that followed the rules or the person that got it right? Actually, this would be a very good lesson for Bitcoin. Because there's certain, you know, if you want to send a transaction, you want to create a block, and you want to send it out to the network, it has to follow certain rules. And if you don't follow those rules, bam, you get rejected. And the person that gets kilograms is obviously a Bitcoin guy. Obviously. Well, How I mean, it's... Would you be able to guess the size of a... Well, his name is BTC... His name is BTC Dragon Lord, and he's got the Bitcoin emoji, a lightning symbol, a taco. I don't know what the flashlight means. The green taproot thing and a volcano all in his name. Um, so he might have an interest. He might. Yes, he might like Bitcoin. So there's our conundrum. Uh, tell us what you think. Who should we give it to? Or we just have them battle it out some way. Anything to stretch this out and make it a well, make make enemies, destroy yeah, friendships, and end up not having to give anyone a sticker in the end. Yeah, I mean that's that would be the best case scenario. Is that we we drum up a lot of attention on this, and then we don't actually have to shell out any stickers. Or we could we could uh, King Solomon it and just cut the sticker in half. You could, and then we'll find out whoever really wanted it by saying no, just give it to him. Right, right. And then we'll give it to that person. A Rollo and Slappy Show sticker <laughs> and a baby are really about the same points. We should have given out a pair of the Rollo and Slappy Show underwear for the winner, because then we could have cut the underwear in half. And see what would happen with that. How would you cut the underwear? Would you go make a vertical cut? Or. Yeah. Okay. Make it completely useless. Yeah, I guess it would be. Yeah, like, huh. Or they could just share them. Like, they one guy wears it one week and then sends it to the other guy. He wears it the following week. Wear it at the same time. Yeah. Like the shirt? Yeah. Oh, that was something else. That's in the Bitcoin trickle. My yeah. joke about two people yeah. wearing a shirt at the same time. Which, by the way, if you haven't signed up already, go to BitcoinTrickle.com and sign up. We're teaching how to do Bitcoin. Um, how to le learning, learning about Bitcoin in uh, a, a little bit of the time. Just a, a short email every couple of days or so. And... Man, we have some cherries of some jokes in there. We actually took time for like 10 minutes to laugh at the one joke we made about presidents. I actually think it's comic genius. But you'll have to subscribe to find out. Yes, you will. 
Yes. So now that we have all that out of the way, you know, it's funny. I was, um, I was thinking about today how I want to just like jump right into our episodes because I've, I've realized we've been spending a lot of like time on the front of the episode going over whatever. And that kind of eats into our ability to spend the bulk of the time of the episode. Well, actually what it does is it just makes the episode really, really long. When we first started, and, and I'm doing this right now, I'm talking about nonsense and just making mm-hmm. the episode long. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the beginning, we had trouble filling 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And then it was like, man, if we got 45 minutes, like that was really good. And like, we're like, man, we're doing an hour without even thinking. And now it's like, oh, we're getting like, we have to keep it under an hour and a half. So I'm not helping right now, but let's get into this. So last week we talked a little bit about, we talked about a bunch of stuff last week. One of the things we talked about kind of briefly was El Salvador uh, making Bitcoin legal tender. Yeah. And um, I don't even remember what we said about it other than it was real cool and awesome. But one of the things we said was like, we don't really know. Like, we're, it's exciting. It's neat to see. But it's not like we're going to say that like El Salvador and gover- government or uh, Naib uh, Bukele, Bukele is uh, is like some just all around perfect guy. And, you know, he's we're going to hitch our wagon to him. It was like he did a good thing. No, I think we actually said I know nothing about him. Right. And we said, like, it's a government, so expect, you know, bad things. And um, from all accounts, after I heard some some more stuff, he doesn't seem I mean, all things considered. He seems overall okay, especially for like a third world country with. uh, um, With all the nonsense going on down there, he did. uh, Apparently he was, I think he was part, they had like a two party system that was kind of like ironclad that it like kind of our system is two party system is two. And he, uh, I forget if he, if he did run or if he was affiliated with one of the parties, but he broke off and formed his own party and everyone said, no, you're not going to do it. Can't do that. And, uh, he ended up winning the, uh, the election for president and, and his party now has control of the con, uh, parliament i guess down there now say what you want about having a single party kind of doing stuff but uh you know it's just it's interesting seeing the different politics from different different places um it's tough to say because like i I, you know you look up the numbers and stuff on his uh on his approval rating and it and it was pretty high but you know uh kim jong-il or Kim Jong Un has very has a hundred percent approval rating, so not to say that he's you know El Salvador is like North Korea, but I just have no idea how to uh, how to gauge those numbers. I don't believe anything or, or the government the says anyway, so I'm sure right. they're not true. If it's a government number, I mean, it could be some third party who does it. Who knows? Who cares? Yeah, I don't know. So it's it's like all right, let's judge it based on. Let's judge all this stuff just based on what we know and 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 kind of and that kind of stuff. So, one of the things that was uh, took a lot of criticism from people in this law was that it wasn't just made Bitcoin legal tender status; it also made so what's 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 
talk about legal tender first. Usually legal tender, like general legal tender is, uh, has to be accepted for debt, for payment of debts. And, uh, you pay your, you can pay your taxes in it. And, uh, it's not subject to capital gains, uh, in that country. So when they, when someone buys Bitcoin, they, uh, and they exchange it between the dollar, which is their other money they have there. They actually did away with their, uh, they had their own currency uh, a while, a couple of years ago and they, and they phased it out. Yeah, I think they've had dollars for, I mean, at least running side by side with their currency for a long time. Right. And then eventually the dollar, I think the dollar just kind of obsoleted their, like their when own. I was in Aruba, I used dollars exclusively pretty much. Right. Yeah. And they have their own currency. They print their own coins and have their own bills and everything. Yeah. A lot of those places, um, a lot of those countries have, you know, dollars are, are more valuable than their own currency. So people are happy to, to accept dollars over whatever the local money is. Kind of what we talk about when we talk about things, the properties of money and things monetizing. Yep. Believe it or not, the dollar isn't the worst money out there. Uh, compared to compared to other things, but they had one thing that was a wrinkle, if you will, that is not usually a uh, something that is involved with a legal tender, and that is that they said that all economic actors—I forget the exact words they used—but we'll we'll see that in a second—have to accept Bitcoin as payment. And so people correctly were saying, well, that's, you know, government aggression on people. What right do the gov- does the government have in forcing someone to accept Bitcoin as payment if they don't want it? And I say, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> legal tender laws in general are bad. They shouldn't exist. And Bitcoin certainly doesn't need legal, legal tender laws. And uh, on top of that, this is just just makes it worse, a legal legal tender law worse. But that said, well, what what do you, what do you think about that? What's your reaction to to that part of the, part of the law and how to react? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I think obviously like if somebody refuses to accept Bitcoin, what are they going to do? Jail. Like if you're throwing people in jail for not accepting Bitcoin, that's very uh, weird to me. Um, Obviously, even if it's a fine or if it's a warning, of course, obviously, I mean, we're anarchists. Like it doesn't need to be said. Um, No one should have to accept. I don't know why you wouldn't accept it, but the, you know, that's another thing like, um, yeah, all economic actors have to accept it. I mean, I imagine there's some poor people in El Salvador, 70% are unbanked. What if you're selling, um, you know, oranges and out of a cart and you don't have a internet access and a computer um, and you have to like by when, you know, like I see there's problems with it, obviously. Um, but, you know, whatever. I'm against legal tender laws. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Right. Right. Well, this is a bad thing. (laughs) No. Right. Well, that's, that's been my problem with people that, 
they take that bad aspect of it, which we can all agree is bad. We don't want legal tender laws. And then they just say, well, that means the whole thing's bad. Yes. And it's like, all right, we live in an imperfect world. And, uh, especially dealing with governments and especially a third world government where everyone wants to question this guy's, uh, this guy's credentials as a good guy. Uh, yeah, that's another okay, thing right. I always I think is funny. Like, you can feel bad for third world when you want, and then you can call them, like, strange, crazy dictators when you want to. I don't know anything about the guy or El Salvador. I don't know either. Like, from what I've seen, I mean, he went on uh, Nick Carter, who's a, uh, a popular Bitcoin guy. Uh, he had a Twitter Spaces, which is like a clubhouse kind of thing where you just yeah. go in and, and have a chat room. And I, I forget who else he, uh, I think it was Alex Gladstein from the Human Rights Foundation who, who follow him, by the way, Alex Gladstein. Uh, he does really excellent work um, related to Bitcoin and human rights around the world. And they were talking about it. And the President Naib Bukele just like showed up in the chat and started fielding questions from people. And he did it for a couple hours, I think. I think it was like yeah. while the bill was on the uh, on their parliament's floor getting passed, right. and he was just kind of hanging out and, and asking questions, answering questions. Um, which, I mean, can you imagine the president of the United States doing that, or anyone? Can you imagine even like a a federal representative doing that? No, uh, no, not really. Like not so that's, with any real power. Right. But that's pretty neat, I think. Like, you have someone that's going to no, talk sure. directly like to the people. Politicians, at least in this country, um, it's on the national stage, don't do anything without it being... Uh, they, like, there is no surprises. It's like, you know, in court, an attorney never asks a question without knowing the answers. It's the same with a politician. They're not going into an interview without knowing the questions and answers. Like, right. It's all scripted. And he could have been lying through his teeth for everything. I don't sure. think he probably wasn't. But I mean, it's, was... it's certainly better than an obviously, you know, canned plastic, whatever he's saying, how the way they, uh, they would otherwise do it. So, yeah, I think it's uh, as, as far as like progress for Bitcoin, which is progress for the world. I think this is just an absolute fantastic thing even with the uh with the bad little section in there um you know we have that meme bitcoin fixes this and i think that's what we're seeing happening right now i mean uh we said that bitcoin doesn't need legal tender laws it it just it doesn't and it will i think it'll just kind of well, i hope my hope is that Bitcoin, despite having that rule, will just kind of obsolete it altogether. Because I think over time, assuming that assuming that things go well, um, I think Bitcoin's just going to become the dominant money, and it's just going to be the thing that everybody does anyway. Now, I don't like. Uh, yeah, it doesn't justify. The, please don't take this as me justifying the legal. You know, the that 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 requirement that you have to accept Bitcoin because eventually everyone just will. Um, 
but I think it will be I think it'll become a moot point over time. Uh, assuming that the uh, that that it's kind of they're kind of ready for Bitcoin down there. I don't know. It's it's I'm I'm not trying to be a an El Salvador expert and know everything about the people and, and everything that goes on down there. It's tough. I mean, you know, changing I mean, to a, was down there before this law passed and said you have to take his word for it. But he said Bitcoin is being used all over the place down there. Yeah, yeah, I've I've certainly heard that before. They've got the Bitcoin Beach, which was a uh, a thing that an anonymous donor sent just like a bunch of Bitcoin down there to uh to some little geographical area, and he said, hey, "I'm just going to kind of airdrop this Bitcoin to everybody." But the thing is, you can't sell it for like dollars and cash out. You got to all like use it in the community, and uh, apparently, it's been successful. I don't know all that much about it. There are also people just absolutely poo-pooing it, of course, but uh, we can get into that a little bit later. Um, uh, but uh, but the other thing is, like, we're we're we've been and we had that episode a while ago. Um, I think it was February 2020 with Carr, episode 184, which I send people to a lot. I think it's a really good episode. It's really interesting, um, regardless of whether or not um, I can say that we were correct. But just the the thought exercise in doing it was it was called uh, or it was we're talking about game theory and and national governments uh, regarding Bitcoin and everyone just says oh well the government would just ban Bitcoin if it were a threat it's like well I don't know that it's that straightforward because you kind of have this anarchistic system of you know national governments interacting with each other and. Uh, you can't always be certain how the other one's going to act. You got to be thinking about there's just there's just so many variables in play going on, and you making one move leaves the opportunity for someone else to make another move that's going to you know have them take advantage of you. So I'll go back to listen to that. It was uh, episode one eight four. Um, but it's something like this is proving our kind of overall thesis that Bitcoin is going to force the hand of everyone, including individuals, including governments. It's so powerful. It's so strong that the only way that you can stay in the game is by playing along. So I think that this gives that the fact that uh, El Salvador is going to come out and say, Hey, we're, we're using Bitcoin as legal tender. Uh, we're accepting it. We think it's a good thing. Um, it just it shows the power of. of yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, like you said, those laws aren't necessary or required. Like I know they put it in there. Yeah, and, and I also have some other. Sound good. So I wanted to read through the because uh, it's short. It, it's amazing too. Now, can you imagine uh, a Bitcoin law being written in the U.S.? It would be like 8 billion pages. But this is just pretty short, and that's refreshing too. So we're going to link to this in the show notes page. But um, this is the bill. I'm just going to read it. The Legislative Assembly of the Republic of El Salvador, considering 
One, that in accordance with Article 102 of the Constitution of the Republic, the state is under the obligation to promote and protect private enterprise, generating the necessary conditions to increase national wealth for the benefit of the greatest number of inhabitants. Two, that under Legislative Decree Number 201, published in Official Gazette Number 241, Volume 349, dated December 22, 2000, the United States dollar was adopted as legal tender that approximately 70% of the population does not have access to financial, traditional financial services. Sorry, I uh, missed saying these numbers. Uh, four, that it is the obligation of the state to facilitate the financial inclusion of its citizens in order to better, better guarantee their rights. Five, that in order to promote the economic growth of the nation, it is necessary to authorize the circulation of a digital currency whose value answers exclusively to free market criteria in order to increase national wealth for the benefit of the greatest number of inhabitants. Six, that according to the previous considerations, it is essential to issue the basic rules that will regulate the legal course of Bitcoin. Therefore, decrees the following. Bitcoin law, chapter one, general dispositions, article one. The purpose of this law is to regulate Bitcoin as unrestricted legal tender with liberating power unlimited in any transaction and to any title that private public or private natural or legal persons require carrying out. What is mentioned in the previous paragraph does not hinder the application of the monetary integration law. Article two, the exchange rate between Bitcoin and the United States dollar, subsequently USD, will be freely established by the market. Article three, prices may be expressed in Bitcoin. Article four, tax contributions can be paid in Bitcoin. Article five, exchanges in Bitcoin will not be subject to capital gains tax, just like any legal tender. Article six, for accounting purposes, the USD will be used as the reference currency. Article seven, every economic agent must accept Bitcoin as payment when offered to him by whoever acquires a good or service. Article eight, Without prejudice to the actions of the private sector, the state shall provide alternatives that allow the user to carry out transactions in Bitcoin and have automatic and instant convertibility from Bitcoin to USD if they wish. Furthermore, the state will promote the necessary training and mechanisms so that the population can access Bitcoin transactions. Article 9. The limitation and operations of the alternatives of automatic and instantaneous conversion from Bitcoin to USD provided by the state will be specified in the regulations issued for this purpose. Article 10, the executive branch will create the necessary institutional structure to apply this law. Final and transitional provisions. Article 11, the Central Reserve Bank and the superintendency of the financial system shall issue the corresponding regulations within the period mentioned in Article 16 of this law. Article 12, those who by evident and notorious fact do not have access to the technologies that allow them to carry out transactions in Bitcoin are excluded from the obligation expressed in Article 7 of this law. The state will yep. promote the necessary training and mechanisms so that the population can access Bitcoin transactions. Article 13, all obligations in money expressed in USD is existing before the effective date of this law may be paid in Bitcoin. Article 14, before the entry into force of this law, the state will guarantee through the creation of a trust to the Banco de Desarrollo de El Salvador, Bandizel, 
the automatic and instantaneous convertibility of Bitcoin to USD necessary for the alternatives provided by the state mentioned in Article 8. Article 15. This law will have a special character in its application concerning other laws that regulate that matter, repealing any provision that contradicts it. Article 16. This decree will take effect 90 days after its publication in the official gazette. Given at the Blue Hall of the Legislative Palace, San Salvador, on the 8th day of June, 2021. Did you like my pronunciation of that? Flawless. Yes. Thought I was talking to a real Mexican. Yeah, I, I was. So, Banco de, Banco de Desarrollo, it's mm-hmm. the last four letters are Rallo. So well, I may yeah, or may have not well, had yeah, a hand. Yeah. yeah, he just, you know, I appreciate, hey, uh, naive, I appreciate the hat tip yeah. in there. So, yeah, I mean, your your question was kind of answered. They're just, you know, it says, hey, if you can't do it, then you're under no obligation to follow it. But the thing that I haven't really seen anybody else um, bring this up other than me. But so Article 7 is the uh, is the is the the thing that a lot of people have issue with. Every economic agent must accept Bitcoin as payment when offered to him by whoever acquires a good or service. So but uh but Article 2 says the exchange rate between Bitcoin and the United States dollar subsequently USD will be freely established by the market. So if you're someone that wants to is selling something and doesn't want Bitcoin for whatever reason. Why can't you just say, all right, let's say I'm selling i I'm a, I'm a mug vendor. No mug, mugs. Anyone who sells mugs would, would accept Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. Let's say I'm a, I'm a chair vendor. Mm. And uh, uh, since I have a chair, I hate Bitcoin. And so this guy who's selling chairs doesn't want Bitcoin. He wants dollars. You should but this loss. Right. Yeah. Straight to jail. There's just these people are agents of chaos. They don't they don't deserve freedom. So what would prevent him from saying, all right, well, the law this law says that I have to accept Bitcoin for selling these chairs. So why doesn't he just say, all right, I'm going to sell this chair for 20 bucks, $20. I only want dollars. So the price to in Bitcoin is not $20 worth of Bitcoin, but just 200 Bitcoin or, or 20 Bitcoin. That doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Exactly I mean, I don't know. Is that... Uh... But, but why not? I mean, it's the, the exchange rate is determined by the free market. And that would be a free market exchange. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine a government allowing that to happen. Well, why not? I mean, because it's a government, because they would say it's not fair. The dollar's 20 bucks and Bitcoin's this, and you're charging different prices to different people, and that's inequality, and you can't do that. I mean, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I would say I have no problem with that at all. 
I'm just saying if a government's in charge and they say this is legal tender, it has to be accepted and you can exchange it for this or this or this, like, could you imagine the, the federal government of the United States doing that being like, yeah, we, you must accept Bitcoin, but you can charge whatever price you want in either. Right. Um, but I mean, I mean, they, they could also just, if you're going to do that line of arguing for it, I mean, we're talking about what, what the law says. And the law could say, hey, we're just, you know, we're, we're removing all legal ten, legal, ten, legal tender laws and, and Bitcoin is, we're considering it a currency, a foreign currency. And so it's, you know, you're free to use it without being subject to capital gains. And someone says, oh, well, they could just come in and change what the, the law says and, and charge you capital gain for it. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what the law or how it will be interpreted or what it means. I can't imagine a government saying you can charge whatever you want in either currency. And I don't know. I mean, if the law, I wasn't really paying attention when you were reading it. So maybe it doesn't mention that at all. But it doesn't. It would, it does, seem, it, like, all, it would seem like if says, you're required to accept it and you say like $10 for uh, whatever, and I say, all right, great, I got some Bitcoin, and then you're required to accept it. I can't imagine you'd be like, no, it's not $10 for you. It's $50 for you. Yeah, but there's nothing in the, I mean, you, I would interpret they, it. The they law. say it can be priced in Bitcoin, but they says you have to accept it. I'm not trying to be a legal scholar on El Salvadorian laws. Right. Just saying, if, if the law is saying you have to accept Bitcoin, and you have something for $10. I can't imagine it would be like, okay, but then you can charge what you want in Bitcoin versus dollars. But yeah, if but it what, what is, there, whatever. I'm not going to be... I, yeah, I, I, I mean, but at, at, at the same time, what is the exchange rate for Bitcoin and dollars? I mean, it's always changing and it depends on who you're asking. Yeah, I know, but they're probably using Ellen Strike. Sure. But Ellen Strike is using, you know, whatever they're picking. Yeah. As the exchange rate. I mean, I'm just going because that's the only thing we could do. I don't know. I don't know much about El Salvador and how they are going to enforce a law like this. Um, I can only look at the text of what it says. And I mean, they're pretty explicit a few times talking about, you know, pricing things by the market. Although, you know, how, how well can it be truly priced by the market if you're forcing people to, to accept it? But, um, I mean, it's you can even raise your price on your own stuff in the United States. Well, I mean, it's, let alone charge different, sure. people different things. Well, you can, I mean, in some, in some industries, right. But I'm talking supermarket. I'm, yeah, but like on, I would love to on Liberty Mugs be able to charge a premium if you're going to pay us in dollars. Yeah, definitely. And also, I'm not saying I, I just use the twenty Bitcoin versus twenty dollars as a as hyperbole, um, because there is probably a price that someone doesn't who doesn't want to accept. Would start um, accepting it. Right. And so he has an like he has an incentive to kind of price it there, and I don't yeah, think it would be. That's kind of why I don't think that it's really going to be an issue. 
like <laughs> right because if there is a because there have been some people that are fudding all this and saying how terrible yeah. it is and talking about how much yeah. of a burden it's going to be to do the exchanges and and it's very clear this so they're apparently they've got was it 150 million dollars for their holding they have in bitcoin as as kind of their buffer field make these instant exchanges for people yeah. um but yeah, I mean, they're 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 throwing band aids on the problem they created. It's like you know, you get prescribed the doctor pre- prescribes you something, and you got to take this other pill for a side for the side effect for that, and you got to take this other pill for the side effect that other pill creates. Yeah. So it's kind of you know, it's it's not a good. They're kind of chasing chasing the problems, their own problems they're creating here. But one thing I wanted to do. So this just as I was reading it, it popped in my head, and while I'm looking this up. Um, I, I also want to say, it'll be in the show notes page, but uh, Safety and a Moose's podcast, the Bitcoin Standard podcast, episode 62, I think. He just did an episode talking about this, and I thought they did a really good job of uh, yeah, going through the... Um, um, just the law, you know, what what their, their thoughts on the law and talking about the, you know, the pros and cons and... and you know, being perfectly candid about the problems with legal legal tender laws. Um, but what I wanted to do was, so I want to find this law that he referenced that made the uh, made the dollar legal, legal tender. In El Salvador, in El, yeah, and I want—I wonder, and then no one said anything about this, but I wonder how they did that because they had, um, what was the other, uh, the cologne, all right, going on the wayback machine, went on Wikipedia because I was reading about this the other day. Mm. Okay. Wow. Okay. The law permanently fixes the exchange rate between the cologne and the U.S. dollar at 8.75 colognes for the U.S. dollar. The same exchange rate that has been in place for seven years. Establishes the freedom to contract in any currency, for example, euros, yens, or any other currency. Furthermore, such contracts have to be paid in the agreed currency, creating strong legal rights for the transactions in foreign currencies makes the U.S. Dollar, dollar legal tender so that the cologne and the U.S. dollar will circulate freely in El Salvador and all payments can be made in either colognes or colones, I don't know how they say, or U.S. dollars. Um, that's ambiguous as to whether or not it must be accepted because the payment would be on the, on the sending side. Yeah. Um, the U.S. dollar becomes a unit of account for the financial system. All financial systems, operations, and accounting will be denominated in U.S. dollars. All deposits, credits, pensions, and other operations of the financial system will be automatically, oh, be automatically, typo there, converted into U.S. dollars on January 1st, 2001. Salaries and wages can be denominated and paid in U.S. dollars or clones. Prices can be specified in clones or dollars during the first six months of 2001s. 
Prices have to be labeled in both currencies. Non-financial firms may either use colognes or U.S. dollars to express their financial records and accounting. The power of the central bank to issue new colognes or coins ceases as of January 1st, 2001. The bank, central bank through the banks will swap colognes for U.S. dollars at their request. Banks are prohibited from charging any commissions or fees for exchanging dollars in cologne bills. Uh, and it has a section about measures for the banking sector. So yeah, I don't, um, this isn't, it's just the main aspects of the uh, archive from the original. That's not found. Um, yeah, I'd like to find, actually, let me go into the, uh, that was just on the very top page of it. So, I don't know, while I'm, uh, while I'm, Doing this put you on the spot. Yeah, great. I'm trying to read about the cologne as well. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, uh, no, I was just going to say you can start talking about whatever you wanted to about this. About the history of the cologne of the dollar? I mean, I don't know. What no, no, mean? no, no. About about anything with your thoughts on anything my thoughts. Yeah, sure. Just kind of blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, my thoughts are that it's a good thing for Bitcoin. It's a good thing for the people of El Salvador as a whole. I don't know why you would look at it as a negative, despite there being negative parts of the law, as in any law. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of similar. Like it's, it's any government action where I mean, yeah. it's the government, so they're going to do something dumb. So it's don't let. Uh, perfection be the enemy of progress right and i know that's like a dangerous statement right because then you could just be like that's why we need to run for office and whatever and like i think it's all a waste of time but but if you were i mean if you're a gold standard person um would you be upset by this news or would you just be oh, like they... it's not perfect but it's good for gold Right. If they, if instead of Bitcoin, it was for gold. Yes. If they said like, we're going back to gold because we want a sound currency and we're on a gold standard, but you must accept that they'd probably be celebrating. Look, and you have to accept gold. Right. I kind of see why they would do, because I was thinking about it today a little bit. And obviously I don't agree with their, uh, how they decided to deal with this, but if they're making Bitcoin legal tenant, because so remittances are a major part of their economy. Yeah. Uh, people go, people emigrate up to the, uh, to the United States and other places and, and other surrounding Latin American countries. And they send money back to family. And that's a really important part of El Salvador's economy. But when you, you know, you're sending small amounts of money like these people are, and you're sending it over the traditional uh, instruments like a Western Union or something like that, you're just getting absolutely hammered with fees. So by using Bitcoin and specifically the Lightning Network, it just, it eliminates those fees and it makes the payments instant. And you don't have to go to go collect the money when someone, well, when someone goes, um, 
to the Western Union and let's say the US, they got to take time out of their day. They got to go there, wait in line, go through all that stuff, send the money. Maybe they're going, maybe they do it while they're grocery shopping. I don't know. But on, on, on the other end of it, the person receiving the money has got to go to the Western Union. You know, who knows where that is in relationship to where they live. So they got to take that part out, time out of their day when if they're poor and they really need that money, you know, just traveling, that, that's just wasted time for them. Or not wasted time, um, but it's time that they could, you know, if you had a better alternative, could be using it for something else. These people don't have banks. 70% of people are unbanked down there. Mm-hmm. But if you had a way that they could just be, you know, at work during the day and their family member sends them money over, you know, over the lightning network, there it is. It's there. You know, they, they can be doing literally anything else and be accepting lightning payments. Um, and the, uh, their family doesn't even necessarily have to onboard to Bitcoin to do that. Uh, if they're using Ellen Strike, they can just put dollars into their Ellen Strike account and you know send their send their family money down there and and they get it instantly, still leveraging the Lightning Network and everything. Um, and then they can they can pull the money out there and 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 there's been a lot of fud associated with that too. There's I've seen some people talking about how oh it's. Well, Ellen Strike uses Tether on the back end, so Tether's just there's that weird Tether FUD that I don't really understand why Tether's going to blow up all of Bitcoin and everything because they just say Tether. Like I get it; it's a it's a money certificate for the dollar, and you got to hope that they don't uh, they keep the one to one peg that they promise, and no one ever uh, <laughs> no one's ever really been able to not do fractional reserve in the history of the world, but it seems like they've kept it together pretty well so far. I mean, it is, you can perform pretty, pretty decent arbitrage on as far as I know. So if there was an issue with it, you would see it reflected in the price. The price is not exactly one tether to $1. Um, and there's competition among those stable coins. I was going to say with those stable coins, I mean, like let's just say tether did blow up would couldn't you just switch to another one yep i mean i don't, and, I don't know what that would look like or how that would work but yeah i mean i'm sure there. there's 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 some infrastructure that would have to happen then but yeah. um or infrastructure changes but uh you know there's it's not and people just ignore the reason why Ellen strike would even consider using tether and they just say, oh, Tether's bad, blah, blah, blah. Like, well, why would they choose to use it? I mean, it's nice to just have this synthetic dollar that you can transfer all over the world uh, without having to use the banking system that takes forever to transfer money. And as long as you have a reasonable expectation that your Tether is going to convert to dollars, like, you're okay. And it's really, it's strike taking on that, most of that risk, mm-hmm. uh, because someone who's got, someone who's getting their remittances to them uh, over strike and the money showing up in dollars on, on their app, what they should do is pull the money off. 
they should send it to download a lightning wallet and send the money to it. Um, that way now they have Bitcoin and not an IOU from Ellen strike. That's technically tether. Um, and there's been also a lot of other thought about like, Oh, uh, well, I think it's, it's people. It's just so clear that people have no idea about anything but they hate Bitcoin or they hate lightning. And so they're just going to poo poo it. Um, they're talking about, uh, well, they're acting like no one uses Bitcoin and lightning down there, but it's, I mean, how, how in the world could, how in the world would, uh, would El Salvador pass this law <laughs> making it legal tender? If everyone's just like, well, wait, what's Bitcoin? This is tough. Yeah. Um, but uh, but on top of that, you know, the, the, all this stuff like, oh well, Lightning Network to get to onboard on a Lightning Network, it it takes a Bitcoin transaction, and the Bitcoin transaction to and people literally say this that the cost of a Bitcoin transaction to create a Lightning channel is so expensive that you might as well spend that money on like it's it's the same amount of money it would cost to uh, buy hardware for like a Raspberry Pi to make a lightning node. And I don't know what numbers they're looking at because like Bitcoin transactions have been pretty cheap recently. And yes, they've had spikes where they were kind of high, but this whole idea people throw out like the, the $50 number where it's just like this totally cherry picked thing. They pick the average transaction for a couple block for a block or two instead of the median transaction. So if you look at a block explorer, um, actually, let me do it right now. I have my mempool.space block explorer that's running directly from my node. Um, so the last block that just got mined, the, uh, the the range of sats per byte for transaction fees is from 36 to 1129 but it looks like um yeah the median fee yeah. is 38 sats per byte so if you took the average of that like that would clearly pull it way up and would it be According to my block explorer. Oh, it shows you the average yep. fee? Okay. Yeah. But let's say let's say like a bunch more people, a bunch of people had real because it's it's the traffic that's kind of high. One guy who did that eleven twenty nine and no one else was right. there. Some people either they just just have no idea what they're doing, their wallet software that they're using estimates fees really poorly, or they just really, really, really want to make sure that their transaction gets on the next block. And uh, and so they make a high fee. So as you can imagine, during periods of high traffic and high usage of Bitcoin, there's going to be more people setting really high transaction fees. So that's going to make the average just like balloon up. Um, instead of looking at the median where it would be, you know, a lot more of a reasonable fee still expensive. I mean the, the median fee right now, 38 sats per byte. 
um, based on an average transaction of 140 bytes would be $2.13, which people will say, oh, it's so expensive. But like, is it, is it for what Bitcoin, what, what that transaction is giving, giving you? Um, but the other thing is that if these people are receiving remittance in Bitcoin, then, and, and they're receiving lightning payments, they're not the ones that are creating the channels. So if they were getting paid, if someone wants to pay them with lightning, which Ellen Strike wants them to do, then Ellen Strike is creating the, uh, is creating the channels. And there are wallets like Breeze Wallet. I might, we might have talked about it before, but I've, I know I've tweeted about it. And I think Phoenix Wallet does this too. And a number of other wallets, they, they do the, the channel management for you. So you can create a lightning invoice without doing anything on your part. And they will basically create a channel for you in the background. They'll figure out what route they need to do and they'll create a channel. And when that, as soon as that, when you accept that payment, you get that, the Bitcoin, um, it gets sent to you over the lightning network, but they're just kind of, it's a slightly different trust model that kind of, they take some of the, like you share some of the risk in different, different ways. I forget exactly how, how it works, but, um, they'll push the, uh, that Bitcoin that you you're trying to receive over to your side of the channel while the channel's still opening. And, um, I forget that in that, in that period of time that you have to wait, I think there's, you have to trust breeze a little bit or something, but like, or you could just use a custodial lightning wallet, like blue wallet has, and there's other, other custodial lightning wallets that make it really easy that you just get on it and you can just start using it right away. Now there's the obvious drawbacks of someone someone else custodying your Bitcoin. But we're talking about people that are living in third world countries that don't have very good options. And their other option would be custodying it with a bank. Well, they can't even bank, that, so it's ca keeping cash on you. Right. They So they really don't have good options. So yeah, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that they download Blue Wallet, use the custodial Lightning Wallet, accumulate a bunch of sats, get to the point where they can say, I have enough sats or I can close out or, or, or send this on chain to a wallet that I have the keys of. They send it to that one and then they create their own, uh, create their own Lightning channel with, without having to trust really anybody else. And they get the, uh, you know, they can custody, they don't have to, to custody, custody with third party or take some of those drawbacks. Um, so like, it's, it's pretty impressive the, the options that have been built for the Lightning Network in a, in a fairly short amount of time. And as usage and adoption goes up, it's only going to, you know, spur on more innovation and, and different options for people, so... Um, the other thing I saw too, I don't know, you have any thoughts there before I no. jump around? I, I know I yeah, kind of no. go off on rants sometimes and jump around, but I saw some people kind of fudding. So the way that it's working with Alan strike is you don't have to, um, 
Well, the uh, the government, there's like some government wallet that's going to be there that if people need it, then they could just use that. But Bitcoin and Lightning, it's all interoperable. So you don't have to use any of the government services. You don't have to use Elon Strike. You can, you can download a, uh, a Lightning wallet and use a Lightning wallet of your choice, just like you and I can. So it's not this... Uh, it's not the case where it's this like closed kind of uh, system or something. It's all interoperable. If you don't really like what's going on with the way Ellen Strike is operating their services or, or the government's operating their wallet, then you just pull your Bitcoin out into something you can control. And that's a really, really important key there. Um, because otherwise it would be... Meh. Maybe a little darker, darker roads ahead, or or the water would be murkier. Um, and then I saw people saying stuff like, "Well, it's this closed LN strike system because they're creating their own lightning channels and not allowing other people to connect to them, so they just have this like closed system." It's like, well, <laughs> that's. So that's a really bad way of looking at how that works. So the reason that you would allow anyone to create channels with you is if you want to be a routing node. And I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but remember when you sent that uh, sent a payment through Elon Strike to your Lightning? Yeah. Well, and oh by the way, for all the people that are like commenting that oh I don't know if Elon Strike's going to work, it's been freaking working for a while. We've used it up here. We, a lot of people have been using it. It works fantastically. Um, but uh, it routed through my node. And it moved that amount of Satoshis from uh, my side of the channel to your side of the channel. So you, you get the payment. And in another one of my other channels that I was connected to uh, in the path um, to uh, on the hop in front of that, it took Satoshi's from someone else's side of the channel and moved to my side of the channel. So my balance remained the same. I got a probably a one Satoshi routing fee out of it. But the problem with that is that I don't know what the heck you're going to do with uh, sending and, and sending, trying to send Bitcoin around. So we have our channel open between each other and you might send a massive transaction through and all of a sudden put all of liquidity on my side or, you know, someone else may, or, or maybe I want a lot of liquidity on my side because I expect to pay you a lot over time. And, but someone routes a transaction through me and sends all that liquidity back over to your side on that channel. Uh, there are ways to, it's called looping in and out that you can create an on-chain transaction that, um, moves the balance of, of the Satoshis on one side of the channel to the other. So let's say, um, I have, I open up, a uh, a one, a two Bitcoin channel to you slappy. Cause you know, I'm really, we're really rolling in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I realize, oh, actually, and, and, um, and, and over time I spend that, all those two Bitcoins over to your side. 
and you really don't expect to be sending many payments to me, but you expect a lot from me. Well, since all the liquidity, all those two Bitcoins on, are on your side of the channel, that channel is not really useful for you receiving payments from me anymore. So right. what you can do is you can, you can do this, this process called looping out where you say, all right, I want to send those Satoshis back over to the other, those, those two Bitcoin back to the other side of the channel. But in return, because I don't, you don't want to do that for free. There's an on-chain transaction worth two Bitcoin that gets sent back to you. And so that way, um, outside of the, you know, the, the, the fees that are associated with that, that are small, you know, you're making a transaction. And I think there's like a, a, a loop, small loop fee too, is like 0.1% or something. Um, you know, you, you can stay pretty even, but you get liquidity, liquidity where you want it. Right. Um, so, so that would, that's why I, I mean, without knowing anything else, without really digging into why they did that, but that would just be my guess why they did that. Because if they make, if they keep their channels private and don't allow people to, you know, freely open and close channels with them, it makes their channel management a lot easier because it's not like a small deal to be uh, doing what they're doing and 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 coordinating all of this Bitcoin and dollars and everything else and tether all over the place and making sure that they're you know they're doing what they need to do. So that would be you know I think a pretty reasonable assumption for why they would do that. It's not because like oh we're 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 being we're closing our doors and we're being like a, a third party bank that like how everyone says that that's what the lightning network is. No, it's just, they're, they're trying to manage their stuff. And if you don't like the way they're doing it and you get a, enough Bitcoin on your side, then create your own channels elsewhere. Do what you want with it. Yeah. That's, that's the beauty of it. The, um, the cost of creating a channel is a transaction fee. Which, by the way, the block uh, the the mempool has been clearing a lot mm -hmm. over the last week or so. So, um, you've had many opportunities to get one sat per byte transactions, uh, and I I've been playing around with stuff mm -hmm. using using Bitcoin and was able to you know get get really 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 cheap fees. Mm -hmm. Also, when I set so, up channels like. I generally don't need it to happen right now. So I set a low fee anyway. And uh, even when the fees were really high or, you know, relatively high, I would set it for like, I don't know, three sats and it would get on the chain. It would take a little while, but I didn't need the ch channel set up instantly. Right. Yeah. It depends on what's going on. Maybe you're trying to receive payments right away, but like it, it, it is. And that's why it's nice. That's why it's nice to have those other, other uh options available um i also wanted to cover so there's a couple articles i found there's one from this dude because all the like the the affinity scammers in bitcoin are sharing this uh this article from this dude david gerard who on his if you go on his twitter page he just says like i hate all cryptocurrency nice. but uh so uh, yeah he's a not not that that makes his arguments you know that would that would not be correct to uh to uh say he's wrong because he hates bitcoin and everything else associated and and cryptocurrency in general 
but um, you should take that with a grain of salt or at least acknowledge that's, that's where his biases are if you read his articles. And um, yeah, he was, I mean, we actually did kind of address a lot of uh, his critiques and what we were already talking about. So I don't think we have to necessarily go through that. Um, but there was, um, and we're already over an hour. Yeah. So I don't want to go through all this too much, but there was just a uh, Mises.org published a piece from this uh, Christopher Mustin Hansen called Bitcoin's El Salvador option. Um, and it was just bad. Um, he's... I don't know if he's a Bcash guy or BSV, but he's like, if you know that one line in there, that, that was kind of annoying where he said, like, obviously, like, uh, I forget what he said. So Um, here here it is right here in the section, the Mirage of Bitcoin Beach in the second paragraph, or rather mm -hmm. they will keep using the existing intermediaries. As anyone familiar with Bitcoin knows that transaction fees are much too high to use for one's daily purchases. For years now, the Lightning Network and other second-layer second solutions have been touted as a solution for the problem. The simpler solution would have been to simply let the block size increase, but I digress. By setting up an intermediary as a sidechain, you can economize on costly blockchain, blockchain transactions. This is the fact that has happened in El Salvador. The transactions all appear to be through intermediaries. First, while Satoshi, now primarily the Strike app, which set up a shop in El Salvador back in March. I mean, what a dopey comment. The simpler solution would have been to simply let the block size increase. That's not a scaling solution. I mean, if if you want to hear why, go back to episode 90. We covered the, the block size. We've talked about it all the time on the show. I, I don't want to spend time repeating it again. Why that's such a, a silly idea but also um he called he's referring to lightning as a side chain it's yeah. not a side chain i saw uh what's it uh one of those other bitcoin crypto websites news things they they refer to lightning network as a side chain um like you don't have credibility when you call that a side chain. Like you don't know what you're talking about. It's a payment channel. That's different. So if you're going to tell me how, um, how oh, oh, Lightning Network's not going to be able to handle all this stuff, but you don't even know the right terms for it. Um, yeah, I don't really feel like I have to listen to what your, what your criticisms are. But even on the economic side, earlier in the article you saw about Gresham's Law, and um, uh, where was it? Let me see if I can. Uh... It's funny too. Well, I I, I got to find because I'm not going to go through that whole thing. Um, so I I put a tweet about it. But it was funny. I, I commented on like Mises, you shouldn't have this kind of garbage on your website. And people were going back, Oh, you're uh so you wanna you wanna cancel these people? You wanna cancel this guy? It's like, dude, 
give me a break. Because I, you know, it would be like someone on a, uh, a vegan website, someone posted a recipe for meat, a meat dish. And, uh, someone goes, yeah, I don't think we should have this on this website. And they go, oh, you want to cancel the, the, the author of that recipe? You don't like meat? It's like, no, it's not appropriate for this website. It'd be like if Mises had a, an article for promoting socialism or something. Um, okay. Here's what I said. Cause he said something about, oh, he talked about Gresham's law and, and was talking mm-hmm. about the problems when you fix yeah, with gold price. and silver. Right. And yeah, there's, there's problems with that. Um, because you're going to, it's, it's bad money drives out good money. So if you, uh, fix that exchange rate between like gold and silver and, uh, gold becomes more valuable than the silver, than the uh, fixed exchange rate would be, then people aren't going to spend it on their gold and it's going to you know, disappear from the, uh, from, from day-to-day commerce and your, and your cheaper silver will be used for that. Um, maybe a little bit easier way to understand it is when you're talking about uh, like quarters used to actually have silver in them. And then at, at some point they stopped putting silver in them, but you know, the officially a quarter is 20 worth 25 cents, but clearly a quarter with some amount of silver in it, um, assuming that the silver appreciates in price, is going to be worth more than 25 cents. So those silver quarters largely went out of circulation as the price of silver, as the amount of silver, uh, or the price of the amount of silver in that quarter went over 25 cents. Um, but when you don't have fixed exchange rates, Gresham's law like doesn't really apply anymore. You would switch over to... to Fears law, um, which is bad money drives out good. I mean, sorry, good money drives out bad money. Um, so Fears law is the um, you're going to see a uh, a premium on the bad money go up and up and up and up. It's kind of like how we were talking about earlier when someone doesn't want to accept Bitcoin, um, they're going to put a premium on it against the dollars. It's going to be a little more expensive to pay them in Bitcoin because they don't want the Bitcoin. They'd rather take dollars. But uh, Bitcoin is the harder money between dollars and Bitcoin. So you're going to expect an appreciation in the value of Bitcoin versus, uh, versus dollars. So overall, you would expect to see the premium to be put on dollars. That if you're going to uh, accept um uh payment and you want to spend dollars well i don't want dollars because it's going to be it's going to be worth less than the bitcoin over a certain period of time so if i'm going to take it i'm going to need more of those dollars to make up for the for the loss in their purchasing power um so that premium just keeps getting driven up and up and up and up and up and so uh people eventually won't accept it anymore. So it was just kind of a clunky, I mean, it sounds, uh, maybe I didn't do a great job of explaining the difference between Thiers law and Gresham's law. Um, Cause it is, it is a little bit tricky, but 
Um, just real sloppy job by this dude to to not even really know how to apply Gresham's law versus Thier's law. So it's just frustrating. It's frustrating to see, uh, you know, Mises.org, who is, or the Mises Institute is, you know, pretty excellent overall that this, uh, this affinity scammer gets something in with, with just bad, bad economics and, uh, and, and a lack of understanding of Bitcoin. Actually, he I take that back. He says, after all, the law makes clear that the market sets the rate of exchange between dollars and Bitcoin. However, while there is no fixed exchange rate, you will still have two currencies that are equally serviceable in canceling obligations. This fiat equivalence means that their legal power, if only due to the intervention of the state, is the same. In this scenario, the lower quality currency is bound to be preferred to the higher quality one. If dollars are expected to depreciate and Bitcoin is expected to appreciate, you would rather spend your high-quality Bitcoin or your low-quality dollars. Virtually everyone will choose to spend dollars, and since this preference will be legally enforced, Bitcoin will be driven from the market. Well. It'll be used as savings. Well, it. Like, if everyone's dumping their dollars. Like, you don't have to use dollars, though. Like, it's right. it's. So if everyone's dumping their dollars, like yeah, if it's, everyone's moving into Bitcoin and out of dollars, well, then there's going to be Bitcoin. Right. And it's not like uh, because the thing is. Yeah, it's the dollars are going to become like people are going to it's just an ever increasing premium on on using dollars and they're not going to be people right. want to get rid of their dollars. Um. And they're not making more of them. Yeah. I have more of the uh, Bitcoin. Sorry. Yeah, they're not making more. And they dollars. can't really make more of their dollars because they're it's they're not they're not creating the dollars. No, they have to it's acquire the, the, the them government on is. the market. Right. Or yeah. So. Or but yeah, I mean, like short term, like right now, uh, this law was passed, right? I don't know if it's active yet or how that works. Um, but I'm sure people are saving Bitcoin and spending, getting rid of their dollars, spending their dollars. Yeah. But eventually it'll so, move to Bitcoin because people are going to want the Bitcoin and not want the dollars. And that's what's going to happen. Yeah. If you run out of dollars because you're spending, like people don't want to accept dollars in payment. It's not just that they want to spend them. It's just they also don't won't want the dollars. Right. Like, ex ex like yes, exactly. They're going to be getting rid so, of them, buying Bitcoin with them or, you know, just spending them if they can. But then the people on the other side of the exchange would prefer Bitcoin more likely to the U.S. dollar. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And 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 the dollars can flow around the world pretty well because it is the world's reserve currency. So there's no reason that, to think that like that, that those dollars are trapped in El Salvador. Right. So as they, uh, you would think that they're going to start leaking out and not coming back. Yeah. So. All so, right. 
Anything else? We got another one to record. Yeah, we do. So, all right. Um, so before we wrap up, what do you think is going to be the next country to uh, make Bitcoin legal to tender or adopt United Bitcoin standards? States. Yeah. Not give it a guess. I have no idea. So it'll be probably another Central American country. Unless you know something I don't. No. But I can see it going well in El Salvador and Honduras, Guatemala, Costa Rica. I don't know, Panama. One of those Central American countries pick. or South Americas. Well, I've been hearing that there's one. some South American pop. All right, fine. Honduras. All right. That was actually my guess because Saifedean acts in the podcast I mentioned earlier. He accidentally said Honduras instead of El Salvador when he was talking uh, about stuff. So, so, uh, nice. that's, 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 that's my reason. But, uh, listeners, uh, tell us who you, who you think it'd be fun. Like, I have no idea. Um, yeah, there are, there are politicians in Central America and stuff talking about Bitcoin, but as someone said, it, I think it was Alex Gladstein on maybe Stefan Levera's podcast. He was like, yeah, well, it's like, we've also had American politicians talk very well of Bitcoin and clearly that's not moving the needle at all overall for Bitcoin in the U S. So. You know, don't get too excited when you hear one guy say something good about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. I just like Honduras because they have uh, good Corojo tobacco. Nice. Good wrap, wrapper tobacco for your cigar. Do you know the capital of Honduras? Tegucigalpa. Yes, it is. <laughs> I always remembered that one. I know, from fifth grade. Yeah. <laughs> it's always fun to say. Uh-huh. All right. Um, okay. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what we got here. Hopefully it, um, I don't know if you didn't know much about what was going on or didn't even hear what the actual law said down there. And hopefully this, uh, adds some value for you. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next week. Peace. You thought I was going to forget, right? What's that? You thought, you thought I was going to forget, right? No, the episode's over. What are you talking about? I didn't hit stop recording. But the episode's over. We did the piece. It's done. These, these, no. This is a, a that's not how it works. Peek behind the scenes for the listeners get. It's not, not how it works. That's what they get. Uh, congratulations to all of you who are still listening. You get to see what happens after we're done an episode, when an episode ends. Yep. So, uh. I'm just disappointed that they uh, haven't required pricing everything in tractors. <laughs>